0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com Welcome back, everyone. Shalom Aleichem. I really will try to start saying the names and everything at 10 o'clock. It should take us about 15 minutes every week, so you've got to figure I'll start speaking at 10.15. Uh, Mirza Hashem, next week, 9.30, Yashar. We're going to continue. Mirza Hashem. Okay, so I hope everybody had a very good Yontif, very inspiring Yontif. We are now on a stretch from now on Mirza Hashem we have, of course, Rishchidesh, tonight is Rishchidesh, and the uh, next yontav is Chanukah, so it's a little bit of a stretch. And Hashem, it's a stretch that they say, it's a little hard because it's the winter, but in the winter we have um, long nights. And it says that the winter time is the time for a person to catch up in his learning because uh, we have long nights. And... Um, so learning at night it brings down is is much more than learning during the day. It's, it's, it's quiet, it's easier, and the world itself is is sleeping. And when the world itself is sleeping, so the Tumma and all that is also sleeping. So that at night is more it's more kaddish, it's more kaddish. There's less going on in the world. You're gonna tell me I the world at night is <laughs> there's a lot of bad things happening, but there's a lot less happening in the world. Most a lot of the world sleeps. You know, after your nineteen, twenty, twenty one, twenty two, you know. It's out of your system, you know, people go to sleep at night. Believe it or not, there's a lot of young guys sitting there like, nah, never happened to me. Yeah, it happens to everybody. Anyway, so it brings down that at night, when the world is sleeping, there's, there's, there's more Kedusha, it's easier to learn. Okay. So Melech woke up in the middle of the night, that's when he learned. So, we want to welcome back everyone from Torah, anytime. Um, all the people that Mitzit Shabbat have nothing to do for the last four weeks, because... I don't know. What, they, what did they do? Yeah, they had Shiram. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know I'm not the only one. I know. Um, what? You put me on? All my old stuff? Uh, okay. Anyway, so I just want to welcome back everyone. There's Matzah Shabbat. Motsi Shabbat, that's there. And that's going to come to the shir this week. It's good to be back. Um, there's many, many different stories uh, from Torah anytime. I get all kinds of emails now. I got one today from New Zealand. Uganda. You know, so it's like, uh, it's reaching places in the world that... Um, that definitely no one, no, one else, no one else is reaching. So Baruch Hashem, I want to thank Taur time for that. And of course, it costs them a lot of money and uh, it's very hard times right now. So um, whoever can help them a little bit or a lot or whatever it is, they need help. Because every share that you see on here, they don't just take this tape and plug it in. They gotta, I don't understand it exactly, but they got to download it on a computer and then upload it on something and then they have to show it. So there's someone that has to do that. And that person gets paid. So uh, whoever can help Tar anytime time should help Tar anytime. time. We'd just like to welcome everyone that's back. Some of the, there are some new faces here tonight. Want to welcome you. There's some old faces. We want to welcome you, and uh, let's learn some Tyra. Okay. So I, I really it's Pashas Noach coming up, but uh, I didn't give a share on Pashas Pasha Bereshis. So we're going to be a little bit lagging behind because this week I'm really I don't know if I'm going to get to Pashas Noach. I'm going to really be speaking on on Pashas Bereshis. Bereshis is the beginning. If you don't know what's going on in the beginning, then where are you going? So we have to first start off in the beginning. So, in the beginning, he created a world. And he created a world. I mean, that's not the shir tonight. I've spoken about it before. Why did he create a world? He doesn't to do it himself. He decided one morning to get up, Hashem, and create the world. Because Baruch Hu is a being. God is a being who is a giving being. Now, you can't give if you have no one to give. So, Hashem actually... There's a lot of people walking around in the world um, who feel that God is a very mean creator. He created a world so that we can be miserable. Look at all the sickness and disease and look at the stock market and the lack of shalom bias and problems with kids. And ah, Hashem would have be been much better off if He didn't create the world. No, that's what we're going to see in Pasha That's what we created. That's not what He created. He created a world with an Adam and a Chavah, a man and a woman, a perfect world that had everything in it for the man and the woman. And life was going to be good. And perfect. And no tzoros. No problems with kids. No problems with Shalom bias, You didn't have to go out to make a par nosa, No diseases. Nothing rotting. No sicknesses. That's the world Hashem created. A world that He just continuously gives and gives and gives and gives. Now, it's very hard to understand... And, and I think a lot of people make the mistake in this whole parash of Horatius. Yeah, there was a snake, and there was this woman, and they were standing by a tree, and the snake sold her a story, and she ate from the tree. We're really belittling Chava. She was no stupid woman with an IQ of 12. We have to understand, who was Chava? Aim Kochai, the mother of all life, who was Chava? Chava had no parents, Chava had no human DNA from her parents. Chava was created, right? Hashem took, actually, you know, the the Goyam, right? He took a rib. He didn't take a rib. He took a side of, actually, of Adam. In fact, she was connected to Adam. I'm not going to get into the whole thing. But, he took a part of Adam, and if you, if you look at the Parsha, he built, the, the that's used is that he built a woman. Vayiven Hashem Elohim Es <laughs> Hashem built this side of Adam. Ashilok Adam and He took from Adam li'isha into a woman. So, God built Chava with His own hands. So This is no stupid being. This is a person that was created not born from human parents. That was created from Hashem's hands, we need to understand that because everyone just takes the story. Yeah, a lady met her. Yeah, they hung out, they chilled. He said, "Hey, have an apple." Have a You know, she had one. And silly woman, no silly woman here. This was something that Hashem created with us. So the question is, how could such a person, so close to Hashem, created by Hashem's hands, who supposedly—this is the big question that we're going to tackle today. It's going to be a little bit of a deep shit. You got you to hang with me on this. If she had no Ra, if she had no Yetzirah, how did she do an Avera? That's, the, that's the, the big question that we're tackling tonight. If, if she didn't have Ra, the only bad happened after she ate from the tree, then how did she do something bad? If you're not bad and you have no yetsahara to do something bad, then you can't do bad. It's like trying to explain to a guy from Florida what snowflakes look like. He never saw snowflakes. So until he sees it, no matter what you're going to tell him, ice and it's shaven and it's light and it goes up and down, he's not going to be able to imagine something that doesn't exist. So if that didn't exist in the world, how did Chava do an Avera? It's it's one of the basic questions of creation. How did Chava do this Avera? Now you're going to tell me she was silly. She wasn't silly. She was created by Hashem's hands. Okay. Another question, it says like this in the beginning on Cheney, and we're gonna answer this a little bit later. It says Ela told Shemaim Aretz, these are uh, the toldos of the of Shemayim of the of the heavens and the land. Behibar um eretz Shemaim. When they were created. It's a very repetitive word. If he created them, then they were created. What's Behibar? The day he made Eretz Behibar. What's the repetitive? So, if you take the word Behibar and you mix the letters around, it spells Be'Avraham. spells Avraham's name. So, what the secret in the beginning of the Torah, in Pasig Dalit, in Parik Beis, tells us. Do you want to know why the world was created? Avraham, Avinu. But Avraham. That's why the world was created. So, when someone asks you, why was the world created? The answer is, there's going to be a person in this world, and his name was Avraham Avinu, and that's why Hashem created the world. What Abraham, why Avraham Why not? It wasn't because Avraham did it, and therefore, you know, Avraham was the one who discovered HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Has nothing, to do, has nothing to do with him discovering Akash Baruch Hu. Adam knew there was HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Noah knew there was HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Because... Because Hashem created the world to do chesed. And the epitome, the nucleus of chesed in this world is Avraham Avinu. Not only for us as Jews, but he was called Av Hamon Goyim. His chesed permeated through the world and therefore, Hashem created a world of chesed. And I'm going to tell you why I'm telling you this. Behi Baram is Avraham Avinu. That's why he created the world. And there's a Mishnah in Pirkei that says that there were ten generations from Adam to Noach, there were ten generations from Noah to Avraham, and the ten generations, if you give me a sitter from Noach, for, for, for the ten generations from Noah to Avraham, Avraham got all the credit for those ten generations. Why? He wasn't, why did he, get, he wasn't alive. Why did he get credit for all those ten generations? And we're going to talk about that tonight also. Let me read it to you from inside. It's in Parakeh, I believe. Sheba Devarim. Asara Deirais Minoach Bar Avram. There were ten Deirais, generations from Noach to Avram. idea to tell us how much Hashem had patience. Those ten generations were very bad. They caused a lot of anger. At Sheba showed Avinu. Avram Avinu showed up. And he got all the reward for all of them. Okay. That's my... We're going to explain this later because this has a little, a little bit to do with Pasha's Nahash. Okay. So let's go, let's go to Chava and try to understand. I'm going to tell you some very new stuff tonight you never heard before. And let's try to understand with my Chida here um, how she did this Avera. So listen carefully. First of all, we need to know who this Nachash was. Okay? <laughs> who was this Nachash? What was he all about? Okay. So he says the following. How did the Nachash... Get into Ganadin, all together. What was he doing in Ganadin? Which is a very important lesson to all of us. And he says like this, that the Nachash we know was hanging, the Nachash, the snake, we know was hanging around with Adam. How do you know that the snake was hanging around with Adam even before Chava was created? How do we know this? So if you look in the Khumish, you'll see the following. Right. This is before her. Hashem commanded Adam, and He said, "Mikol You're allowed to eat from any tree that's in Eden, any, any, any tree that's in, in the Garden of Eden, right? You're allowed to eat from? No problem. But, but, He said, But Hashem said, from the tree of knowledge, Good and bad, From that tree, you're not allowed to eat. (laughs) Hashem said, because the day that you eat from that tree, you will die. Now, a person who's Aram, it calls a snake, Sly, knows how to play with words. He went to Chava and led her to believe that the day that you eat from the tree, you will die. In other words, you will bite into the fruit, and you will die, like the fruit has some kind of poison in it. That's not what Hashem said to Adam. Hashem said, Kibiyom achokha mimenu, from the, when the day that you're gonna eat from, when you're gonna eat from this tree, mice tumble, sooner or later, you're going, it's going to cause death. Not, it's a poison apple, like a, like a, like a Disney movie. You know, that you're eating a poison apple. It wasn't an apple anyway. If it was an estrig, it was a chita, it was a wheat, or if it was an estrig, or if it was grapes, it's what it was. But Hashem wasn't telling it, you're going to eat the grape, you're going to drop dead. Hashem was telling it that if you're going to eat from the grape, then one day you're going to die. You can't live forever anymore. The Nachash presented it to Chava that the day you eat from it, you're going to die. Ah, look, you ate from it, you touched it, you didn't die. You ate from it, you didn't die. So he he changed the meaning. But now... This is what in the Apostle God just says, by Yitzav Hashem Elohim al Adam. He was only speaking to Adam. There was nobody there. If we go further, the Nachash tells Chava. He says, Umi and from the from the tree that's in the in the middle of the Gan, Omar Elohim! Hashem said. How do you know Hashem said? How do you know what Hashem said? You, you, know Hashem said? you went there. The Nochash is telling Chava that from the tree that's in the middle of the Gan, Hashem said, Right? Hashem said, the Nochash said, she said, right? you won't die, right? Hashem knows, that when you eat from the tree, you're going to know good from bad. How did he know that? She didn't have that information. She didn't give him that information. The information she gave the Nachash is that Hashem said, I can't touch the tree, I can't eat from the tree. And if I eat from the tree, I'm going to die. He came back to her and said, No, if you're going to eat from the tree, you're going to know, from, you're going to know good and bad, and you're going to become like God. Where did he get that information from? She never told him to it. Adam never spoke to him. So says that Avashayim, that means that he was there when Hashem told Adam. Because there's no one else in the world that would know that when you eat from the tree, you're going to know good from bad. She didn't have that information. When she told the Nachash, Adam never said to her, if you eat from the tree, you're going to know good from bad. Adam said to her, there's a if he told her, if he was the one who said to her not to touch the tree, which was made up because he wanted to make a get there, he wanted to make a fence. So he told her, you're not allowed to touch the tree. Hashem never said, you're not allowed to touch the tree. But he wanted to make offense. And therefore, it was probably his fault because he should have told her, Hashem only said, and that's important when you tell someone halacha, you have to be careful that you repeat it correctly. Then if you want to add your own stuff, you can add your own stuff. But you have to tell them that you're adding your own stuff. He just told her, Hashem said, you're not allowed to touch the tree. Hashem never said that. He should have said, Hashem said, you're not allowed to eat for the tree. So you know what? I'm your husband. So I want to make a gate. I want to make offense. Don't, don't touch the tree so that was his mistake some rabbis say that but Rashi says that he never told her that he never told her that you can't touch a tree that was her thing she added that and she should have told the nochash that uh, that's not what I was told but I added that to to take you know once and once you start making up stories you begin to believe your own stories so when she started saying that Hashem said that you're not allowed to now what she should have said which was her mistake is she should have said you know what? I don't know what you're talking about. I wasn't there. She was not there when Hashem spoke to Adam. If you look in Bereshit, you'll see that after Hashem told him not to eat from the tree, he created Chava. So she wasn't there. So she should have told the nachos, listen, I don't know what you're talking about. I wasn't there. So let's go ask my husband. But she couldn't do that because she, she was an equal. So she couldn't tell the nachos, I wasn't there. Hashem didn't talk to me. He spoke to my husband. So she made like she was there. And he played into that, the Nachash. But the question is, what was the Nachash doing in Ganeiden when Hashem was talking to Adam? So Abbas Chayim said that, the, that he made a very big mistake, Adam. That HaKash Baruch put Adam into Ganeiden. And if you look, if you, it's, it's a question that I've had. I haven't found an answer to it yet. Maybe one of you will find an answer and you'll, 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 you'll call me on it. It says that when Hashem put him there, Hashem al Adam Hashem took Adam by in and He put him in ganeid and after He created him la to work it Shamra, and to watch it. But we didn't have to work until we ate from the, from the tree, from until we ate from the etz We didn't have to work. So what does it mean? Hashem put us in the in the in the in, in and to work the the trees. We didn't start working pecha. We didn't start sweating until we got punished. So according to Avas Chaim. Which, which I don't understand. He says very clearly that we were we were very. other was very smart, and Hashem put us in Gan Eden to take care of the trees, to make sure they had water, to make to make sure that they were taken care of. I don't understand what that means because that was a punishment that we got that you had to work the earth. Unless, unless maybe you can answer from a medrash because there's a medrash that says that this week's medrash I like to learn it. I'll do it next week about drinking wine and the whole. The whole Nachash putting, the, putting uh, the blood of the uh, pig and the blood of... We, we learned it last week. We'll talk about it next week. But it says over there that on the same day that Noah came out of his table, you're going to see this week's parasha, so he planted a vineyard. Now, it says that the same day that he planted the seedling, it grew, the plant grew, the vine grew, the grapes grew, the grapes became ripe, they were squeezed to make wine, and it fermented all in, 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 in one moment. And the Medrash says, why? Because Noah took the, a vine of grapes from Ganeiden. And that's what he took with him in his, he had that from Adam. And he took it in his Teva. And anything from Ganeiden doesn't have a process of Planting, schlepping, growing, picking. It all, as we know, when Mashiach comes in, it's Hashem. So it says that you won't have to, the, 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 fruit trees will, everything will grow in a moment. It'll be just a moment. It'll all happen in a moment. It'll ripe, it'll grow, it'll ripe, it'll become ripe, it'll become whatever it has to be in a moment. Because that's, that's what Eden is all about. So what I, what I'm thinking to answer, this Pasuk that says Hashem put him in Ganeden, that he should work before he did the Aveira, means that that wasn't Bezeus Apecha. There's no sweat. His punishment was that, by the sweat of your brow, right, you're going to have to work with thorns and weeds. So that was the punishment. But tending Ganei then, something where you just put something in and it grows right away and it's ready right away, that wasn't work. So the that you should watch it and take care of it, that's not the curse that we got as B'zei apecha, Because there were no thorns and there were no weeds. So maybe you can answer it with that, menish. But he's very clear, the Avashayim, that, that Adam was working in in, uh, in, in And what happened? He, there was a guy with him, and it uh, was called the Nachash. And the Nachash was able to speak like a human. So instead of, instead of bringing in a lion or an elephant or a zebra or whatever to help him work, or a horse or an ox to pull, so he says he had this Nachash who had legs, Who was able to to speak. And therefore he made him his servant. He made the Nachash his servant. He had himself a servant. And that servant was standing next to him when Hashem spoke to him. And that servant was the Nachash. And therefore he brought the Nachash as his servant into the Ganeiden. And then he got married and his wife had a nice little servant. And it says even in the Medrash that she, she rode on the Nachash. She was sort of like a horse whatever. He was on legs. And she rode on the Nachash. And they used him. They used him as a servant. And he was very happy being this servant because he had a master plan. And, and therefore, we have to be very careful who we bring into our houses or what we bring into our houses. So even though he, Adam thought that he was good and that he could help him, and, and of all the choices, he was the best choice, because he spoke, he said he was very strong, he was very, he says he was, he was, he was very, he had koyach and gvura, more than an Ari. he was smarter than a fox, and he was the perfect shamash, he was the perfect, uh, the perfect servant, so he brought him in, into his house, and um, of course we see, we see what happened. Now, we have to learn from that, that there are certain things that we, that we use to make our lives easier, sometimes a computer, and sometimes a cell phone. And it's always by our side and it's something that we use all the time. And we have to be careful because sometimes the things that we use to help us end up becoming our biggest enemies as it happened over here. So there's such a place called Ghanaians in this world? There's such a place called Ghanedin in this world, sure. The four, it, there, there's two Ghanaians. There's Ghanaians in which is in this world somewhere. And, uh, and therefore, there there are four rivers. Which if you in if Lamentations, there are four rivers that lead. And uh, many people think it's somewhere out in somewhere through Ethiopia, because it says the land of gold, the land of diamonds, somewhere in South Africa, in Africa, whatever it is. But Takash it says to make sure that we don't go back into the Garden. He put two two malachim there, and the and the upside down swords. And if it was somewhere in Shemayim, that he wouldn't have to to do that because me and you can't get to Shemaiah so he put a guard at the, at, the Ghanai, at the door of the Ghanai and if a human being wants to come in there's no way you're going to get through there. where it is we don't know we have no idea but if you look at the rivers the four rivers the Euphrates the rivers that are discussed in the Torah it is somewhere in Ethiopia that area Africa whatever it is we don't know where it is and we're not gonna start looking for it. Because because even even if you get there, you're not getting in because you have the Kherb ha HaPeches, the upside down sword, which no one can get past, and you have two huge malachim standing there. So it's not gonna happen. There is a Ganidin Shalmat and there is a Ganadin Shalmayla. Ganedin Shalmailah is on the fourth level and that's that's a whole different level and a whole different and a whole different Ganeidin. And the only way to get up to that Ganeda, one day maybe we'll learn about it, the Kabbalah Yasha talks about it. you have to be born on the Mizbeach by the Malach Michal and you go up through that mitzbeach, like, like shoots and ladders, through that mitzbeach that brings you, that, brings, that changes who you, what you are, and brings you, maybe from a nefesh to a ruch, I don't know exactly, and brings you to the Ganeid and There are two Ghanaians. the Ganeid and is on a much much higher level. Okay, anyway, so, let's get back to our question. Our question is, how did this happen to Chavla? How, how did she do an Averib if she doesn't have a Yetzirah? And that's my share tonight. A very important lesson that we all need to learn. And the lesson is as follows. She didn't have the Yetzahara. She was purely good. She went ahead and ate from the Yetzah hadas. Listen carefully. This is amazing. She ate from the Yetzah Das not from her Yetzahara. She ate from the Yetzah from her Yetzah Listen carefully. She made a cheshben. How do you say cheshben in English? A what? A calculation. She made a calculation. And what we have to learn from this, guys, is that what the tyrus says is what the tyrus says. And you can't make calculations even if they sound 100% right. And we all make so many calculations. I was just speaking to somebody, and, um, and we were talking about... Um, Shabbos and and sitting mixed and not sitting mixed and and chassidim are very machmir that you sh- you know even you, on Shabbos if you have a kiddush that that the family should sit you know should sit separate and some people oh uh, uh, you know they, they, uh, not my family uh, yeah, right and 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 how can you do that and and the truth is if the halacha right. is that you can't sit at the table with another woman right so it doesn't matter because you're at a kiddush that's why you can that's why you're allowed to. You'd sit at a table with another woman. You, you can't stop bending halacha. Reformed Jews, they changed the laws, right? Because they said, yeah, you, you, you. they don't want men and women sitting together because they talk to each other. But if we sit in shul together and we don't talk to each other, that's a, you can't change the rules. Even if you think in your head that I have a good reason, I have a cheshmer, I have a calculation. She made a calculation here. And she made a calculation from her yeits and told, listen to this. This is brilliant. Listen to what Chava did. It says like this. He comes to her, right? And he says to her the following. He says, Didn't God, didn't God, did God tell you that you I see you're not eating from this tree, right? So she's talking to him, which is a subject I'm not going to give to you tonight, but it's a subject I'm going to talk to the girls about. Why are you talking to the nachash? Why are you talking to him? You have a husband. Why are you talking to some strange guy? Some strange snake, but some strange guy. What are you talking to him for? He started a conversation with you? So you want to be nice? He says, you know, I to talk to men. Don't make calculations. Oh, I don't talk to him. He's going to become an anti-Semite. He's an anti-Semite. He's an anti-Semite. He's not going to become an anti-Semite. Excuse me. But I don't talk to men. I don't talk to men. La Lahavdol is another religion. You try to talk to their wives with this whole thing covered. You try to talk to them. They, they, they make believe you don't exist. All right? It's a different religion than ours. Our religion now took the men. So her first problem was, "What's the deal? Why are you answering him back? Tell him you got problems, you got questions, halachic questions about the tree. Go to my rabbi. Go to my go to my husband." No. So her first thing was, "Oh, you're giving me, and this is this is a a trap that a lot of you that a lot of us fall into, and a lot of girls fall into. Everybody has a certain amount of low self-esteem, no matter how much you think of yourself, right?" If you think if you're a big shot, then you think of yourself nothing, because that's all bluff, that's all outside. Right? And even if you think of yourself, we all, we all have a little bit of low self-esteem. Now, when someone gives us coverage, when someone comes over to them and says, I got a question, and you can answer it for me. Right away, all your guards go down. Shalom, oh, she. I can answer it for you. Even if you have no idea what the person's talking about, they're asking you a question on astronomy. I don't know what you're talking about, right? And the person comes over to you, and they're, and they're like, in awe of you, like, can I ask you a question about astronomy? Right? Now you're like, oh, I don't know astronomy. Sure. What do you, you, know, what do you got? And, and, and she'll ask you the question. And you'll, you'll, you're not going to say, go ask an astronomer, because that means you're a dope. Right? You're going to go right away and say, okay, what's your question? Oh, listen, I, I have to go to work. I'll call you. Give me your number. I'll call you in 20 minutes. Right? You'll go Google, Google, whatever the question is. And then you're going to have your answer. Why? Because when someone gives you coverage, right? Then automatically it's, it's the biggest Sahara that we have. Because we all have this little self-esteem. When someone gives you covered, automatically everything drops. So when the Nachash came over to her and said, I have a big Shiloh to ask you. What, what exactly is the halakha with this tree? Ooh, I'm a woman. He's not going to ask my husband. He's not going to ask Adam. He's coming to ask me. So all of a sudden she's a plasic. She's making halakha. She's a rabbi. She should have been running. She's a rabbi. Okay, let's talk about this. So he says to her, "Listen, that was his armkite. because once he, once once the person's pumping you up, then then, then your guards go down. You know, I never met such an intelligent guy. You know, you're, you're in, you're in, how many girls have told me this, this 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 line that they get in school? You know, they're in college, whatever it is, and then some guy walks over to her. You know, you're the prettiest girl I ever met. That doesn't go. They know that's that's a, that's a line. But you know, you ask such a such an intelligent question today to the professor." Uh, I'm amazed. You know, I have qu- I see that you understand the class. Could you just, like, sit down with me for ten minutes and explain me this question? Now, the guy's a Muslim that's asking the girl this question, and she's thinking to herself, uh, how can I say no? Because if I say no, he's just asking me for a question in class. If I say no, then, uh, it's a Not a What do you think he wants? He wants to know your answer. But the minute he tells you, wow, you're so smart, Maybe you just go over to the girl and say, by the way, I have a question I want to ask you. Get out of here, you crazy. But if he opens the conversation with, you're so smart, then automatically you have to answer. Because if I don't answer, that means I'm stupid. You're so good looking. You're so this, you're so that. You know, you understand business. It's a, it's a nice little line that they give guys, you know. Can I talk to you for two minutes? You know, I don't know how to... To get my checkbook together, but I see that you, you know, you're you're going for an MBA in business, so you can help me out. So the minute you get that big shot thing, like, yeah, I can help you out. I can do your checkbook. Give me all your other stuff you need me to do right away. Your your all your all your guards go down. So the first thing he told her is he didn't go over to her and say eat from the tree. He got into a discussion and he said to her, "What's the halacha? Can you can you can you eat from all the trees? From none of the trees? What's the halacha?" He was hacking. It was the hawk. Well, right? he was hawking and got He's hawking. Right? So he says there, And it says first that he was Aram. Did Hashem say? Did Hashem say that you can't eat from any of the trees? She should have answered right then and then. Hashem never said anything to me. I wasn't born yet. I never spoke to Hashem. What do you mean that Hashem say? I don't know anything other than whatever my husband told me. She didn't hear anything from Hashem. Hashem never spoke to her. So that's what her answer should have been at that point. But he was Aram. So he knew, he knew how to get her. He said to her, so what's the halacha? What's, what's going on? All the trees, some of the trees, what's going on? Ooh, he's, I'm a plastic. I'm gonna, I'm gonna passkin the law. I'm gonna judge the law for the nachash. Uh, I'm a big person. So now she, she answered him and she said, so he said, can you eat from from Mikol Eithagan? Now listen to what he said. He didn't say Mikol Prihagan. He said, Can you, you can eat from every eight as the wood of all the trees in the, in the garden? But So the, the woman answered him back. Listen carefully. He didn't ask her about the fruit. He asked her, Mikol Eitagan, can you eat from the tree, the wood itself? She answered back, you can eat from the you can't eat from the wood. That you can eat from all the fruits in the whole Gan Eden. You're allowed to eat the fruits. But the fruit in the middle of Gan Eden, you're not allowed to eat from it, and then she added this, and you're not allowed to touch it, because maybe you'll die. Now listen carefully. He said, your Hashem knows. When you're going to eat from this tree, the day that you're going to eat from this tree, when your eyes are going to open up. you're going to be like God. Your day, Torah, You're going to know good and bad. Question number three. He's going over to Chava. What is he telling her? He's telling her, listen: if you eat from this tree, right, then you're going to be like God, and you're going to know, and you're also going to know good from bad. What does good from bad have to do with anything anymore? If I came over to anyone in this room, I said, listen, I got something over here, this little candy, and any guy in this room eats this candy, you are God. You're going to be like God. And by the way, not only are you going to be like God, but you got free rentals on any car you want. You're like, I need free rentals. If I'm God, then all the cars in the world belong to me. So if, it's a beautiful question, if he would have come to her and said, if you eat from the tree, you're going to know good and bad, and you're going to be like God. That makes sense. So I tell you, if you eat this candy, you get Alexis for free, and you'll be Hashem. That makes sense. But once I tell you that you eat this candy, you're going to be Hashem, you don't need Alexis. So the Nachash came to her, and he said to her, if you eat from here, you're going to be like Hashem. It's very important. And you're going to know good from bad. Why did you tell her good from bad? Once she's Hashem, she will know good from bad. She'll know a lot... Not only are going to know good from bad, you're going to control the whole world. So why do you have to add that? Right. So he, he What? In the other order, you don't need Alexis if you're No, but it, but if that came first. In other words, first, first you're going to get the Lexus, and then you're going to be like Hashem. First, you're going to know your de- You're going to know and then you're going to become Hashem. that that, that makes sense literally. Makes sense. But once I tell you, you eat from this, you're going to be God, what are, what are, what's the good and bad of it? So you, know, you know everything. So what was he selling here? An amazing thing. Every lie, every lie, to make it believable, has to have truth. So, the Nachash knew that if he's going to tell them, if he's going to tell them that you're going to be like Hashem, that was a lie. It didn't happen. She ate from the tree. Was she like God? She wasn't like God. So, he told her you're going to be like God. You're also going to know good and bad. The thing that the, the, the good and bad had to be said because the good and bad made the lie have truth in it. Now, listen very carefully. Came her Yetzatah in her head and she said like this. What the Satan is telling everybody, everybody's there, the whole kingdom, the whole world is there. What, what the Satan is telling everybody that a human being... Can become God by eating from a tree. You hear? The Satan was selling to the world that if Chava or Adam will go to this tree, pull up an ashrig, and eat it, we have a new God. It's a new religion. It's not Christianity. It's a different religion. Right? That's what the, that's what the Satan was telling the world. Now, if you look back, Hashem didn't tell that to Adam. Hashem said, right? Do not eat from the etzah das, to'i v'ra, ki bi, ki achalcha, because on the day that you eat it, ma'ish and you're going to die. Hashem didn't say, on the day that, don't eat from the etzah das, because on the day you eat it, you're going to know good and bad, and you're going to become like me. Hashem never said that. So that was an outright lie. The nachash was there, right? It was an outright lie. He added that, you're going to become like God. I'm going to tell you why. So came along Chava, this is such a beautiful pshat, came along Chava from from her yetzir ties. And she said, I'm going to make the biggest kiddush Hashem, no matter what it costs me. I'm going to eat from the Eitz Hadas in front of everybody. And they are going to see that what Hashem said is true and that what the Satan said is not true. Hashem said if you eat from the tree, you're going to know good and bad and you're going to die. The Satan said, the Nocha said, if you're going to eat from the tree, you're going to become God. I am going to do the biggest kiddush Hashem. I'm going to give up my life and everything that I have to show the world that if you eat from this tree, you are talking you're going to know good and bad like Hashem said, and you're going to die like Hashem said. Kiddush Hashem. Something like Hashem gave. I'm of anyone. Somebody, somebody says that somebody, somebody was stoned to death because he wanted to show everybody what would happen. Like like, um, by- like, uh, by- 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 that's a different story. That's 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 by 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 Shabbos. That was Tzilufka. That was the Benai Tzilufka. That was. That was, that was they killed them yeah. for Shabbos, yeah. and and they and they cl- and that was their father, that was their father. Okay, but that's a, that's a separate. So here, so so you're asking me a question. How did you do an avera? There was no Yezahara. it Didn't come from the Yitzhahara. She made a decision from the Yezah type I am going to be a martyr. I'm going to show the world that God. God never said that. Otherwise, everyone's going to walk around. We're all going to be walking around looking at this tree, right? And David's going to say, Rebbe, if you grab one of those that's atzriyim. Right you're going to be God. And we're going to really believe that one of us, by eating a fruit, can become God. What a terrible religion. What a terrible aboy That would be the greatest aboy in the world. Everybody, all you need to do is take from the tree and you become God. So the difference between me and God is eating an there was no to her. So, 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 so I'm trying to tell you. So what she was showing, no, there were all well, the animals, everything. Yeah, she was know. showing the world. That what Hashem said is true. That if you eat from the tree, you're going to know good and bad and you're going to die. But what the Nachash is saying, that you're going to be like, God, it isn't true. So she went ahead and she did this Aveira, so to say, coming from her taif. But still, but still, it's a very nice judgment that she made. But still Hashem said, no. Hashem said, you can't eat from the tree. So how did she... I don't care what you say. Martyr kid Hashem. Bottom line Hashem said no. Once this, we all know this in our own lives, and I'm not getting into your lives, but everyone in our own heads knows what we do wrong, that we know is wrong, but we make a judgmental call and we say, Hashem, you don't really care because it's this and that and the other. The thing is the She mitzvah, how many people you know the, the road to heaven is the road to to Gehenna is paved with good intentions. It's a famous English saying. The road to Gehenim that whole road, right, is paved with people who wanted to do good things. In the name of God. How many people die, and how many kids are embarrassed in school, and how many of us, how many of us have gone through who knows what, by people who got up and said, submit to what I'm doing to this kid. I have to teach the class an example. Hashem said, you know, I'll embarrass a kid in class. You know, what? I don't care. It's gonna teach everyone a lesson, and I'm gonna save a hundred other guys. That's your chesbin. Your chesbin is not allowed to go against the Torah. Hashem said, you're not allowed to eat from the tree. So you're making a kiddush Hashem. Hashem doesn't want that kiddush Hashem. Hashem doesn't want that kiddush Hashem. That kiddush Hashem is not a kiddush Hashem. And that's what the Torah is showing us here. All your cheshbonis and all your... what you figured out, is not what Hashem wants. But still, how did she make this mistake? And the, the mistake was like this. If you look at the Torah, at the Pasik, Hashem said, you cannot eat from this tree, from the eights. There was another sin done, which is a different question. When Hashem created trees... He, he gave it, a commandment that the tree should taste like the fruit. An apple bark would taste like apple. An orange bark, the wood of the tree, would taste like the orange. It, they didn't listen also because they had a, different, a whole different idea. What, but the bottom line is that there was one tree that the bark tasted, the wood of the tree tasted exactly like the fruit, and that was the Hadas, et the Ethric tree. That was the etz hadas. That the, if you took a piece of the wood, forget the fruit, and you ate it, it tasted exactly right. So the nohosh came to her and said to her, look at the commandment that God gave. God said, he didn't say you can't eat from the fruit, right? And he said, So from the eitz you're not allowed to eat. So he came to her and he said, Look, the eight hadas is different than every other tree. Every other tree is fruit that tastes and that you're allowed to have. You're allowed to have the fruit. But Hashem told you that this one tree in the middle of the garden, you're not allowed to eat. But what Hashem told you, may eat. He told you from the wood. You know why you can't eat from this tree from the wood? Because this tree's wood tastes like the fruit. But the fruit? Hashem never told you you can't eat the fruit. Hashem told you you can't eat the etz, the wood. He didn't tell you that you can't eat the fruit. And therefore, there's no problem with eating the fruit. And he pushed her into the wood, into the tree. And she said, she did a madach. She said, Surely the tree's not killing me. And that I agree with you. Hashem Kishore said from the aids from the tree. And I got pushed into the tree and it didn't kill me. Surely the fruit won't kill me. So she went ahead. And if you look at the pasik, it's exactly the way that, that the, that the chidor translates it. Because if you look at the pasik, what happened was, right? She looks at the tree and she says the following. She saw that the wood of the tree had taste and it was something to eat. She didn't, it doesn't say that she saw the fruit of the tree. She said, wow, this tree is different than all the other trees. This tree, the wood, you can eat, you can taste it. The kitaibule nayim. The nechmar ha ate and she saw that the wood of the tree was good. So then she said, Ah, that's what Hashem was talking about. Latikach me She said, but the fruit of the tree that I could eat, I can't eat from the eighth of the tree. Because she was already trying to figure out a way to make a hector to do this big kiddush Hashem. She was spinning and trying to find a way. So he found a way for her. He said, only the tree itself, Hashem, said you can't eat. So therefore, it says... that's when she took from the tree what was her her mistake the mistake was that if you look carefully when Hashem told it Hashem said you cannot eat from it from it means anything from it the fruit the roots the wood any part of the Eitz Hadash you can't eat from any of it so the Nachash was very smart he didn't translate the word he just said the word Ha'etz And therefore, when she answers back, She said it out of her own mouth. Hashem said, we can't eat from it. And then, So, what we learn from this is that a person has to be very careful that when you want to do something that's not according to the Torah, but in your eyes, it's the right thing. Because, you know, this person's talking to me. I can I not answer? I don't want to make a Chil Hashem. But if it's wrong in the Torah, it's wrong. I'll tell you an amazing, amazing story. The story is brought down from the altar from the Vardik. An amazing story on this. So there's a story like this. There was a young boy, and he was a prince. And my story is always about a prince. He was a young prince, but he wasn't the regular prince. He was very smart. He was a tsnua. He was very modest. And a very special boy. Like, he, he, he was just different than all the other kids. He, was, he watched how he dressed. He ate with manners. He was a true prince and a very intelligent person. His father decided, the king, that it's time for him to go out and see the world. He, they taught him all the etiquette and everything he needs to learn. It's time to go see the world. He called his son and he says, listen, I'm sending you on a trip to see the world. But I want to tell you one thing we have to make a deal before you go. I'm going to give you money, credit cards, whatever you need. One thing you cannot wager, you cannot bet, you cannot gamble with anybody in the world until you come back to the palace. There's no wagering whatsoever. Kid said, Tati, Dad, I never went to a casino, I don't play poker, I don't play cards, I never made a wager in my life. He said, I know, but you know, noblemen in those days, they like to bet on horses, they like to bet on birds, on pigeons, they like to bet if it's going to snow tomorrow, they bet on everything, that's what these rich kids do. So, I have your word, his dad, it's not even it's a no-brainer, you have my word. So he starts his travel, he goes from country to country, and of course in every country uh, the the noblemen they all want to bet with him. Horse racing, this time. He says, My father and me made a deal. I don't wager, I don't bet. No, nope. Hashem, he's doing very well. He's he's going, he's meeting people, he's he's making connections. It's a it's a fantastic year. He's got one more country to go to. I love this, this is like a, such a brilliant story. He's got one more country to go to, last country. Nope. He sends his messengers before him, The prince of just in this land of New Zealand is coming to visit in three days. Okay, the king of that land gets together in his huge castle, in his huge banquet hall, gets together 300 ministers with their wives, all dressed up with a big crazy meal. The prince is coming. Nope, he comes walking in to the palace. He comes to the banquet hall. The king's sitting at the top of the dais right all these 300 noblemen and their wives are sitting there at the table having a beautiful feast and he walks up to the king and he says I'm the prince of uh, whatever king looks at him and says no you're not what do you mean no I'm not I my father is king so and so I sent you a letter 3 days ago that I'm coming I'm the prince of uh, of so and so king says what are you trying to make a fool out of me I know you I know you since you're a little kid you were a servant in our kitchen. Don't give me no stories that you're a prince. You were a servant in our kitchen. I remember watching you used to wash the, the dishes and you used to wash the floors. I remember watching you washing the toilet. What kind of prince are you? You worked in my castle. I like, get out of here. The, the, the young prince is like, what are you? And everyone's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? He says, you're doubting me? I know who you are. I know you said you're a little kid. And I'll tell you what. You have a big purple birthmark on your thigh. I remember you were cleaning the floor in your shorts one day, and I saw that birthmark, and I'm sure it's still there. The prince says, what are you talking about? I'm the prince, so-and-so, my father. What are you talking about? He says, the king says, I'll bet 500,000 dinars in gold that you're no prince. You're a low-life kitchen help. The kid starts thinking to himself. He's making a fool out of me in front of everyone. Everyone thinks I'm a a servant. It's not a wager. My father said a wager. It's not a wager. A wager is a bet where both sides could win. Here, I know I don't have a birthmark. This is not a wager. This is a one-sided thing. The guy's telling me I have a birthmark. I don't have a birthmark. This is no wager. He says, yeah, I got a birthmark. I'll show you. Takes his pants, opens his belt, unzips his pants, drops his pants in front of everyone, turns around here see any birthmark, anyone see any birthmark, turns around in front of the whole place, the king gets up, he says, pull your pants back up, pulls his pants back up, says, I'm so sorry, please be mindful. please forgive me, hope your father will forgive me, you look exactly like the kid who worked in the kitchen, I see you don't have the birthmark, I I, I don't know how to apologize, first of all, guards, bring me 500,000 gold dinars, I hope this makes you feel better. I, I I can't believe I can't believe this happened. Come sit down, have the meal, and the whole place is talking and schmoozing, and it's, it's a big hack. The king made such a huge mistake. He, he he embarrassed a prince of another land, took his pants down in front of three hundred couples—not stomp couples, ministers at a ball—and they knew their king wasn't stupid. <laughs> no, nope, the kid has. Okay, he was embarrassed, everything, but he he made a lot of money here. Gets onto his wagon, goes back to his his father, the king. Comes back to his father, the king. Father says, Lou, how was your year? He says, Dad, it was amazing. I went to this place and this place. He says, But you know, this weird thing happened. The last stop, I went to this country. He says, Dad, I walked in there. And it was the most beautiful banquet hall of all the countries. I walked in there, and there's this king. And the father goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So then this king sitting up there, and he st- gets up and he starts yelling at me. I know you since you're a kid and you're a servant. And, and the father goes, "And yeah, yeah, and 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 I bet you five hundred thousand gold dinars that you have a birthmark on your leg." He said, "Yeah, yeah." And he says, and, "And I said that's not a wager, you know, Dad. And I know that he didn't have it." So I, I said, "No problem." I took my pants and I dropped them and I showed him that I, that I didn't have a birthmark father goes I don't believe it we lost everything what do you mean dad what are you talking about he says this king the last king that you went to, to I've been at war with him for 30 years we've been fighting over our lands and he lost men and I lost men and I lost men and he lost men and last year he called me in we got together he said listen this is not working no one's winning and what we're doing is losing men I'll make you a wager. You always talk about your son. He's amazing. He's studious. He's moral. He's, he's quiet. No more war. My wager is simple. If your son takes his pants off in front of 300 men and women, then your country belongs to me. If he doesn't, then my country belongs to you. The father said, What well, that's a no-brainer. My son wouldn't take his pants off in front of one person. He's gonna take his pants off in front of three people. He says, You idiot! We lost the whole country! What he said to you is true! You're not a prince! You're not a prince! You're a servant! You promised me you weren't gonna make a wager! I knew that he had something up his sleeve. That's why I made you promise. Now we lost the country, we lost the kingdom. And we're both gonna end up in the kitchen. No, you dig unbelievable muscle. Because that's all of us. Hashem gives us 613 mitzvahs, and he tells you, you got to keep Shabbos, and you got to keep kosher, and you got to be the gear. and you can't steal. And make sure that nishama brings down in Kabbalah that your nishama takes a shvua. I'll read it to you inside the Zohar. I have it underlined. That every person in this room, your soul swore before it came down to this world in front of God, I will keep the six hundred and thirteen mitzvahs. Don't worry, you got nothing to worry about. And Hashem's telling everyone in Shemayim, you don't know my son. And the Sotan saying, "Yeah, we'll make a little bet. I'm gonna get him to take his pants off." I'm going to get him to look at the wrong things. I'm going to get him to put his pants in other people's pockets. And I said, what are you talking about? No way! Swear to me, little Neshama, that you're never going to take your pants off. And I don't mean physically. Swear to me, you're never going to do Avedos. And the Neshama, ah, no problem. This is a no-brainer. Of course I'm not going to do steal, touch a girl, get myself drunk, do drugs be on the internet for eight hours a night with all kinds of women. What are you, crazy? That's radical. So we come down into this world and the Sahara comes and it comes up with all kinds of stuff. And it's a, and we think that we're so sure of ourselves and it comes up with all kinds of stuff. And then we take these avarits that we do and we make them into mitzvahs and we come back and we say, yeah, I did this. But that was—that wasn't what you said I can't do because because I made a judgment call because I'm chavah because I ate from the tree to make a kiddushin. I embarrassed this guy because because uh, I gave bad information when the girl when they asked me about him for the shirk because I wanted to save her. So I talked lashon hara because I wanted to save her. And you have all, all of us—we got all these things in our heads to make the worst things that we do the biggest mitzvah. In the name of God. That was the first Avera. That was the first mistake. And therefore, we have to be very smart. What was her mistake? Her mistake was simple. It sounded good. It sounded like a kiddush Hashem. Ask. You're not such a big shot. You're not such a big person. Even though the Nachash is telling you, hey, come on, you learned enough. You know enough. You're going to have a you know what's right and what's wrong. No. Ask the Rav. If she would have told the Nachash... Nice shmooze he gave today. Good kabura. Eight, not pre, just Hashem, because you made up that I'm going to be like God. I went, gonna... go ask Adam. Why don't you go ask Adam? Say, okay, Nachash. I hear you. Good shmooze. I'll be back in two minutes. Adam, can you come here? The Nachash, you know, has, has a good time and maybe he's right. Then what if Adam would have done? Adam would have asked Hashem. And the Nachash knew that. So Nachash didn't go to Adam. He didn't go to Adam, because he knew that if he was going to go to Adam, but this whole thing, Adam would have said, Hashem, did you mean AIDS? Did you not mean AIDS? I don't know what you meant. Could you clarify it? Her aveira, if you want to get down to the core of her Aveira, she didn't ask. Why didn't she ask? Because he told her how great she was. And the minute he told her how great she was, she made her own psaac, she made her own halacha, she made her own wager, she made her own bet. That was her mistake. What's her punishment? What's the mida kinege mida? beautiful, what, what, when, the, when you see the Torah get together, what's her punishment? We, what's the punishment that a woman has to listen to a man? What does that have to do with eating from the Because she listened from a snake, now she has to listen from a man. The Torah tells us that our punishment is that, that we're the boss, supposedly, was anyway, that way. <laughs> he said the following, look at the punishment. But when, you, when you're going to have a lot of pains giving birth, that's for a different reason. We're not going to talk about that because she may have done an aveya with the or whatever. He's going to be your boss. You need money? You're going to ask your husband. You want to know if you should, what kids, what, what yeshiva you should send the kids to? You're going to ask your husband. When it comes down to it, you're going to ask your husband. Why? Because when you were supposed to ask your husband... You didn't ask your husband. When well, you were supposed to go to Adam and say, what this Nachash is talking about, is that, is that true or not true? You didn't do that? Now, for the rest of the generations, till the end of time, you're going to ask your husband. Because you didn't ask your husband when you were supposed to ask your husband. Now you're going to ask your husband, even if you don't want to ask your husband. And not only that, your husband's going to be the boss. Why? Because your whole schmooze with the Nachash, your whole discussion with the Nachash, was based on because you didn't want to go ask him, because if you went to ask him that meant that you're not as good as him, that he's bigger than you so you know what, your punishment for that is he's going to be bigger than you he's going to control you, you're not going to control him that's the mita connected to the Aveira that she did now this Aveira was based on her making a judgment call, so I'm going to end with another judgment call Amazing. The Torah, the mistake is, 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 happens again. Where does it happen? It happens with Lot. Now, we know that Lot was brought up by Abraham Avinu. Now, Lot said, I want to go. He also made a judgment call. He said, I want to go to Sodom. Now, how could the Talmud, the nephew of Abraham Avinu, Right? want to go to the village. He wants to move to the village in New York. right? He wants to move to San Francisco. Go go to Texas. Go to Arizona. You have to go to the worst place with the biggest Rishama. Why did Lot go to Sudan? Because he made a judgment call. He said, I'm going to go there. I'm going to change them. I'm going to change them. I'm going to bring Abraham Avinu's Torah to them. And Ravino said, you're not allowed to go there. You're not allowed to go there. It's a wrong place to go. He made a whole drusher, right? You know, I'm going to go to the club with my friend because I'm going to make sure that he makes a shahakal on the drink. (laughs) That's why I'm going to the club. And and, and if you leave him alone, who knows what he's going to do. So I'm going to chaperone him. You know what I mean? And and I'm going to dance next to him so that no one else dances with him. And before you know it, the guy's dancing in the club. He's blitz, whatever it is. But he went to help his friend. His, His friend is schlepping him out of the club, the one that he went to help. Sure, sure. It's a, when you want to do something, so you make a khajbin to make it work out. You make it work out. And so Lot's going to he's going to Saddam, he's gonna change and know what you know what happened? He became it says when they when they when they came to when they came to um when they came to Sodom, where was he? Listen carefully. He was sitting here by Yavoshnaam Alakim Sadaima. Hitacha did what he wanted to do. They came at night. The Lot, Yoshe, Lot was sitting at night by the gate of Sodom. Says Rashi, what was he doing there? What are you doing by the gate, right? Listen carefully what he was doing. He had become that day a dying. He became a judge. You hear? He became a judge that day. So Hitacha became a judge, and he was going to change. Here. um... He became the head judge of Sedaim. Perfect. He got the position he wants. Now he could change Sedaim. Right. Everything's working out according to to Lot's plan. Now, let's look at let's look at where he was where, where he was in Sedaim. Now, I want you to understand something, and, and it's, it's just an explanation on the whole thing, and then, and then we're done. I want to show you how corrupt you can become. When you want to do something wrong and you make it right. I mean, I can just tell you, look at the Arabs blowing up people in the name of God. I mean, I don't have to bring you a better proof than that. But I want to bring you a proof from the Torah. Listen carefully. So now Lloyd became the head judge in Sodom. What happens right after that? The Malachim come. He brings him into the house. The people of Sodom come knocking on the door, right? What's his first judgment call? Here he is, Abram Avinu. What's Abram Avinu going to do? You hear? Let's say he was a Avinu. He's got the malachim in his house. He's giving them to eat. The people of Sodom are knocking on the door. Give us those guests. What would a Avinu do? What did Lot do? Lot went ahead, opened the door and said, I have a new law. Here's my two daughters. Destroy them, rape them, kill them. I couldn't kill us. Here they are. I'm trading them for the guys in the house. That's a that's that's we know as human beings, we take the arrow for our kids. We don't take our kids and throw them out the window to save ourselves. So here's this lot who's coming to change Saddam. He gets his position that he needs to change. And the first sack, first law that he does is, if they're coming to kill you, take your kids, throw them out the window, right? your daughters, and tell them, do whatever you want to them. So what happened to him? So what happened to him? And the answer is that in Sodom, they were right. They weren't wrong. Listen to their psychology in Sodom. In Sodom, you weren't allowed to give tzedakah. If, if a poor man would come collecting tzedakah, collecting charity, come to your minion in the morning, right? And he's collecting charity for someone in Israel. They would take him to a house, right? And they had two beds in the house. They had a little bed, right? And a big bed right? It sounds like Goldilocks, right? A little bed and a big bed. Now, if the guy was short, they would put him in the big bed, they would tie two ropes to his, hand, his feet and two ropes to his hands, and they would pull him apart until it reached the end of the bed. Of course, he was dead. His neck was disconnected, his arms were disconnected, his legs were disconnected. That's how they killed him. If he was a tall guy collecting tzedakah, they put him in the little bed, and they would cut off his legs until they got to his mid, wherever they got to, until he fit into the bed, and of course, he also died. That was the punishment for collecting money in Sodom. Now, you're all thinking in your minds, that could never happen in America, right? Even if that other guy becomes president. It's not going to get that bad, right? They're not going to do this in America, that's for sure, right? Okay, let me tell you how right Sodom was. Let me tell you how right they were. They were absolutely right they were 100% right i'll tell you what their psychology was the psychology was as follows if you are poor god made you poor right that's why you're poor any person who helps that poor person is trying to play god if you're trying to play god that's blasphemy trying to be god where do you have a right to interfere with god's deeds therefore The person who came for tzedakah gets killed. The person who's giving the tzedakah gets killed. Because we're not allowed to mess with God. And therefore, if someone is sick and dying, you're not allowed to have... In in Sodom, you weren't allowed to have a doctor. No doctor. And if you're a doctor and you try to save someone, you do... uh, There was no Hatzalah. There was no Hatzalah there. If you do anything to save that person, you die and he dies. Why? Because if God wants him to die, who are you to interfere and make him better? And if God wants him to have money or not have money, who are you to interfere? Therefore, Sodom's belief was, whatever God gives you, that's what you are. No? Not a bad religion? Makes logical sense. What do you mean? That definitely makes sense. If Hashem doesn't want him to be poor, Hashem will give him money. It makes sense. And therefore, listen to their beauty of their, of their brilliance. Therefore, if a poor man, why was that the punishment? So if a poor guy comes collecting money, that means that he's not happy with what Hashem gave him. He's poor. He's coming to Sodom to collect money. He doesn't want to be poor anymore. So what he's saying is, right, he's anti-Hashem. Hashem Hashem is not giving you money, but I'm going to go get my own money, right? Which means that you're not happy with what God gave you. In that case, said Sodom, the punishment is, oh, if you're not happy with what God gave you and God made you tall, I guess you're not happy with that. Let's cut off your legs. And if you're not happy with what God gave you and Hashem made you short, I guess you're not happy with that either. Let's make you long. Perfect law. And, and, and perfect psychology. Why are you messing with Hashem? That was Siddhoyim's psychology. Why? Because they were good people? No. What came first? What came first? What do you think came first? That they didn't want to give tzedakah? So they made up a reason why not to give tzedakah? Or they came up with the reason and then they didn't give tzedakah? There's no question that there were a bunch of misers and a bunch of miserable, terrible people and they had to make it right. So they wrote their law. I'm not giving money. Why am I not giving money? L'shem Shemayim. Somebody came to me today. And he said to me, I was going to need help. I know this guy. He dresses like he's a religious chasidish guy. But really, he's Michal Shabbos. He eats on Yom Kippur. He does every aver that you can imagine. And and um, he does not believe in God. Whatsoever. He, but he He's an atheist. I said, really? I said, I'm going to tell you something you didn't tell me. This guy who came to me, okay, I'm going to tell you something you didn't tell me. He says, you're what? I'm going to tell you that he's fooling around with a woman outside of his marriage. He has some Gaisha woman on the side that he's fooling around with. The guy's like, wow, how did you know that? I didn't tell you, I mean, I, we happen to know that, but how did you know that, Rabbi Wallerstein? He looked at me like, wow, you must be a Makubo, you know? And my face, like, what did you see? You saw it in the air? Like, how'd you see it? <laughs> I said, listen, I'm doing this for 30 years. This guy, he was brought up in a good home. He knows there's a Hashem. He don't have a question there's a Hashem. He don't have a question that there's a Tyra. But he can't be with another woman if there's a Hashem. So he's got to get rid of Hashem. I said, I'll bet you a million dollars that first came the woman, then came the atheist. First he Had the avera with the woman and then he felt, how can I do such a thing? He felt bad. So he said, you know what? There is no Hashem. So if there is no Hashem, I can do whatever I want. I said, if you tell me that first he became an atheist and then he went looking for a woman, we got a problem. Then maybe he's really an atheist. But if you tell me that the woman came first, and I'll guarantee the woman came first, the avera, the taiva came first, and then he had to make it kosher. So how do you make it Kosher. You can't make being married to one woman and fooling around with another woman kosher if you have a Torah. So you get rid of this, you close it, and you say, yeah, prove me God, everybody. Prove me God. I don't see God. I don't believe in God. Finish. I got rid of God. Now I can do whatever I want. So what came first in Stein? Did it come first in Stein that, Ah? if God gives you money, then it doesn't give you money, too bad. Or did it come for us in Stein that they were raw? Look what the Torah says. They were raw. They were miserable people. Now, how do we murder legally? How do we cut a guy's legs off? Legs off. Or break every bone in his body and walk around and say, that's the halacha, borah, Hashem. We did a mitzvah. How do, how do we do it? So Sedoim shows you that you could do the worst various in the world. And make them right. You can be pro abortion in America. You can be pro killing a child, an unborn child in America, you can run for president, and the country that we live in, robe of America, including some people in this room, are gonna vote for this guy? Because he's saying uh, the woman is the man it's the woman's child, that's her decision. What do you mean it's her decision? Since when is it her decision? It's a child. It's the child's decision. Yes, he's very pro-abortion. Yes, he's very pro-abortion. He's a liberal. He's pro every Avera that that exists in the Torah. Every Avera says, to Eibas Hashem, he's pro, and all his followers are pro. And he's going to put people in the, and I don't talk politics usually. Okay? And he's going to put people in the court, right, in the court, in the Supreme Court of America, that are going to vote that you can kill kids, that you can have an abortion anytime you want. That's what's going to, And you're going to live in this country? It's, it's America. It's Sodom. I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it. This is where we live. And we're going to make it right. And Nebuchadnezzar, there are a lot of Jews voting for this guy. How could you vote for such a thing? It says in the Torah, to Hashem, every liberal, every liberal that a person can do, this man stands for. He's the most liberal senator in America. Second most liberal senator in America. So when you see that, When you see that you're living in a country where such a person can win, you have to start thinking about what we're doing here. You have to start thinking about. light was changing was changing. Saddam. Look at his first judgment because he lived there. His first judgment is to take his own daughters and give them to be used. He said, "Use them any way you want. Not stop, kill them. Use them any way you want. Are you out of your mind? That's Avraham's chesed. That's Avraham's judgment." But once you live in that land, you can do anything wrong and make it right. Because he'll tell you that he gave up his daughters to save the malachim. But the Torah says you can't do that. You can't give up one person's life to save another life. So I don't care right? what you're telling me, they're malachim and I'm saving them. First the all, if they're malachim, they need you to save them. But it's wrong. The Torah says you can't give up a life for another life. Therefore, you can't make this judgment. And it's very important. It's my share tonight. The first out there in the world the way the nachos gets to us. The basis of all our values is to make wrong things right. If it's wrong to be on the internet, it's wrong. It's wrong. If you have to be there for business, be there for business and get off. But to be there seven hours or six hours or in a chat room or on Facebook and all these other places, it's wrong. And don't make it right. Know that it's wrong. And if it's wrong, get off. You can make everything right. Yeah, lonely person. She has no one to talk to. Never. She's going to commit suicide, Rabbi. If I don't talk to her on, online for eight hours, for four in the morning, she's going to commit suicide. Ah, she didn't die till now, till you showed up. <laughs> <laughs> Call 911. Call 911. That's his kayach. His kayach is that, and, 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 and the wrong comes before the right. you have to, the, wrong, the wrong causes, and, and, and the aveira will cause you, chas for boys, to get further and further away from Hashem. Because you have to get further further away because if you don't get further and you're closer then you can't do the Avera. In the end, it's going to destroy you totally. She only ate from an Eitzhadas that there was Toi but look what happened from it. Look at the destruction to the whole world from what happened from it. And you have to ask, guys. If you have a question and someone comes to you and tells you something, ask your Rebbe. Ask your Rav. Ask a question. Don't be like Chava. Ask somebody. You don't know everything. I don't know everything. Nobody knows everything. So we have swarim. Because Godel has a Godel to ask. Nobody, don't be scared to ask. So you so you don't have the answer. No? So you're not a big shot. So what? It's, it's, it's big, a person is much bigger if they can say I don't know than if they say I do know and they don't know. Shabbat, there, there are seven signs of an idiot. Of a golem, says the Mishnah. A person who answers when he doesn't, doesn't know the answer. You're a golem. You're an airhead if you answer and you don't know the answer. So before a person answers, ask your rabbi. Don't make the decision on your It looks great. He told him to take his pants down, and it wasn't a wager. He figured it out in his head. It's not a bet. It's not a wager. I don't have a birthmark. He had the whole thing figured out. Chava had the whole thing figured out. It's a tree, and, I mean, you're kiddush Hashem. Otherwise, everyone's going to think you eat from a tree, you become God. Every, they had it all figured out, and in the end, they were all wrong. Totally wrong. Totally wrong, totally wrong. because the Torah says what the Torah says, and you can't change that. And if something looks like that, you need to change that. Then you need to go ask a so we should all have that tzlacha. When are we going to have our final clarity? Our final clarity in the world that will know the truth is when Mashiach comes. And you all know the signs are happening, and there are a lot of things happening. And it really doesn't really matter whether Mashiach comes or not. What matters is that we realize that our Kodesh Baruch Hu is our shemechad or Shem Echad And each one of us can bring our own Mashiach. And bringing our own Mashiach comes from looking at ourselves and looking into ourselves. And I think that now that we had Mr. Shani Yom Kippur and Sukkot, we moved out of our house. We had a chance to move away from business and away from everything for a couple of days, and to really look at ourselves and to see what we need to fix and what we need to do. We now have a long winter, and during that winter, to take on a little more learning and maybe more minyanim, and to learn more and to fix all the you know all the things that a person needs. A person who lives by mirrors, a mirror, a mirror is the least. How would I say? Has the least self. You know what self means? Self is who you are. Why does a mirror have the least self? So that a lot of us live in a world of mirrors. It's how you look at me. How you look at me. You like my car. You like the way I get dressed. You know how much money I make. We live in a mirror. I don't live for myself. I live for you, and for you, and for you, and for you. That you think I'm great. That's that's the world of mirrors. A mirror is the only thing in the world that has no self. What does it mean a mirror has no self? Whatever, whenever you look in the mirror, what do you see? You don't see the mirror. You see yourself. Any object that you put up to the mirror, you don't see the mirror, you see the object. The mirror has the least self in the world. It has no self. It exists by reflecting everything else. And therefore, a person who lives his life as a mirror, that all you are is in comparison to everybody else, you have no self. You don't even know who you are. You can't really fix what you are. You're busy with all the reflections. Yontif was a time, I hope you used it, and Yom Kippur was a time, and Sukkot was a time to be outside the house, outside the work, outside school, outside of everything, to have a time to reflect, to look at yourself, to see who you are and what you need to fix, and what you need to be masakin', and that's what we do during the winter. During the winter is a time that a person has to be masakin' himself. So if you have any questions in life, make sure, just to repeat, make sure you don't make these decisions on your own. Clarity is the biggest bracha. Hashem give us all clarity to be able to see what is real, what is real good, and what is really not good. Slacharav. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.